Hi everybody, my name is Landon Arenas. Thanks for listening to episode 138 of the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. Welcome to the Vortex Apologetic, where substance reigns over mindless entertainment. Because biblical truth matters in a profound, timely, and urgent way in a lost and dying world. And now, introducing your humble servants in Jesus Christ, Ricardo, a.k.a. B. Arenas, and Jeff, the Brain, Claiborne. Father, thank you for another opportunity to gather for this podcast. We want to honor you, Father. We are trusting you to distribute this podcast to those who need it, to those who would be blessed by it, to those who need to hear the information that comes out of it. Pray that we'd stay true to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we'd stay true to the doctrines you've placed in your, in your word, the divine revelation that you have given us, hmm. that we might live according to it. And I pray that you'd give us discernment when it comes to news. We know some of it is fake, that it is designed for the purpose of division, for the purpose of pushing agendas, for the purpose of trying to create irrational fear, and uh, some of it's just totally made up, some of it's real, some of it's true. Help us to discern, Father, what is true and what is false, what is meant for an agenda, and what is just reporting what is happening. Help us also, Father, to walk in your truth and your grace and to walk according to your will. And may your will be done in all that is done in this podcast. May your will be done in all that is done in our lives. And give us the strength and encouragement to stand for truth. And those who are downhearted, those who are stricken with difficulties and hardships, we just we pray that they would be encouraged through the words of this podcast, that they would be uplifted, and that they would be able to step another day into this world and glorify you. In Christ's name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen, my brother. How are you doing, bro? Wounded. <laughs> so, I heard through the grapevine that since you're not you're doing your old vocation, you know, because you're fully retired now, mm-hmm. you know, taking down criminals, tackling, kicking... <laughs> You're doing some of the stuff now that you're retired, but, you know, you're trying to kick, like, your door frames and something I like... tried to tell everybody that I was taking down a gang of international terrorists who were threatening to blow up the world. 
and I was diving over a pit of vipers to get to a bomb to cut the wire to save the world when I caught my little pinky toe on the edge of the pit and broke it. Wow. But I did a tuck and roll, and I came out, and I took out the last terrorist, and the world is a better place because of it now. Superhero stuff. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Now, but the problem what's is, the true story? The problem is I'd be lying if I told you that. <laughs> <laughs> I did have another story that uh, you'll laugh because I didn't tell you this one. If that story wasn't going to work, I was going to tell this one. I was in my Challenger in the Grand Prix racing, and I was ahead of the Porsches and the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis and the, and the McLarens. Okay. And I was doing just fine until a turtle dashed out into the middle of the track, causing us to swerve around him, causing my little toe to bang up against the driver's side door, breaking it. But I was able to make it across the finish line before the other cars. That was a fun one. That <laughs> seems very plausible. Yes. But uh, if you don't read fiction, folks, and you're re- interested in nonfiction, the truth is, <sighs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> I, I was walking out of the bathroom when I jammed my toe into the door frame and hit the ground. <laughs> And screaming in pain. <laughs> now you can so choose, the folks. Question is, do you feel old? <laughs> I do now. <laughs> I do now. Uh, Let me guess. You're like, eh, it's just jam. Probably a little bruise. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll suck it up. I'll get through this, right? And then what happened? I was walking in Costco a couple of days later, two or three days later, thinking, ah, it's going to heal up. Took a step the wrong way, and excruciating pain hit me. <laughs> and I said, okay, it's time to just humble myself and go to the doctor. <laughs> go to the doctor. And the x-ray showed a hairline fracture in my oh, foot. In, in, my, in my toe. Yeah. <clears throat> so what did the doctor do? Good old, good Chinese female doctor. Mm. Good sense of humor. I liked her. Uh-huh. She was really good. She says, ah, what we typically do is just wrap the two toes together and send you on your way. So she wrapped the two toes together and said, send you on your way. She said, you want any pain medication? I said, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I love I'll it. it. <laughs> You're like, I'm not going that far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My pride's already been hurt enough. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. So yeah, folks. When I uh, so. walked in his house, yeah, right before he even said, you know, you see me walking funny. I go, yeah, he had a little limp on going on. <laughs> <laughs> so something happened to this man. Yeah, that's what happens, brother. Brother, you know, got something slows us down in a certain way mm-hmm. or humbles us a certain way, right? Yeah, <laughs> he's got his reasons. And then the toilet breaks. Oh man. <laughs> Here we go. So I'm up at 3 in the morning trying to tinker with the toilet. <laughs> and being the uh, great technician that I am, I made it worse. <laughs> so we called the plumber. <laughs> I 
I mean, he, he has some you know tough couple of weeks, huh? When God wants to humble your rear, He can humble you. <laughs> oh, isn't that the truth? Yep. <laughs> testing, test, testing our, uh, yep. our, uh, our patience and our everything about us, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. But the toilet is fixed, right, brother? Toilet is fixed by a Christian plumber. Tell that story. Yeah. How was, I mean, talk about divine, you know. Divine Morris, appointment. Divine uh, appointment, God um, setting it up. Uh, he's a new, new Christian, hmm. two and a half years in the faith, and um, preaches Jesus everywhere, preaches Christ. Every time he goes into a home yeah, to fix, yeah. a, fix a plumbing problem, he's preaching Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, Got a little bit of a write-up at work for doing that and, you know, people disowning them and, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. And so uh, I was able to pray with him and yeah. have a time of of Christian fellowship well, and, and encouragement. Yeah. And then I thought to myself, that's why God broke my toilet. <laughs> that's the reason. Yeah. You know, and uh, he was really blessed by that, so... Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that's a great, what a blessing! Yeah, you know to have, uh, you know, and, it, it, and that right there, brother. When things like that happens, even when we're thinking, "Oh man, another thing to fix." Oh man, mm-hmm. we we forget, right? We we tend mm-hmm. to go with ourselves and our reaction, mm-hmm. and then later on, something like this happens where you're like, "Oh man, Lord, there's a reason why this happened." Right. You know, maybe he needed encouragement, you know, especially yeah. when he's getting written up for sharing the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it could be pretty discouraging. Yeah. You know, it can so. be. It could be. Yeah. Well, what a blessing, bro. Hey, yep. see, everything turns out good in the end, right? Yeah, it does. The Lord's in control. It doesn't matter what it is. Yep, it really does. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to fix my toilet, too. You did? Yeah, because my bill was like almost $200 on a water bill. I'm like, what? Same thing. I found a leak on our. It's a leak. A yeah. Seal, a seal. So I ha- yeah, yeah. not the, it was actually inside the tank. I had to replace the entire kit. Yeah. So I went down to Home Depot, bought that, got to replace, and praise the Lord, that was that was. So it. you have that gift and ability. I I just make it, brother. Worse, it's yeah. a little bit, but if I can't figure something out, you know what? Praise the Lord for YouTube. Well, that's true. Do that, it yourself. True, instructions, people. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the oh. times I find myself looking. You know how to yep. blank, you know, and that's how I try to do things and try to save me a little bit of money wherever I can. But uh, no, that's been a blessing. There's been quite a few things I fixed at home, and yeah. it's just like if I can figure well, it out, there's YouTube. When Come on. I broke toe, I wasn't going to home. No, before. you were already injured. <laughs> you were was, already injured. You I were. was already, my foot was already up and resting. And my, yeah, yeah. No, you're, I got, you're already, I got those instructions from my daughter. I was getting ready to pick something up for her today, and she goes, No. You go put your foot up. Because <laughs> I promised her we'd go on a hike together, father-daughter yeah. date. And she nope, you put your foot up, we're going on that hike. <laughs> you heal that toe. You better go rest. Yep, better go <laughs> yeah. rest. Yeah. Good stuff, my brother. So, so folks, be encouraged. Um, you know, God has a reason for everything that he does, even the little things like that. Praise the Lord. That's you right. Know. That's right. So. He's uh, got his hands in everything. Mm-hmm. All right, my brother. Well, let's get going here. Uh, here, I'll start with some of my headlines that I want to cover. Cause I had, you know, some questions and some things I want you to address before we get into you, into some of the uh, things you had. But the first one, I'm not even going to tie it. I'm just going to read it. 
because I've, I've had this discussion with people, and obviously not only with non-Christians, but with believers. And a lot of doctrine and theology should be involved in this and making, you know, not the decision, but in approaching this, you know, wisely, humbly, denying self, and being obedient to God's word. We're talking about unhappily married or happily divorced. Which is better for kids? All right, so let me read you a little bit on this article that I came across. And then I want to get your input, you know, and we can discuss it, uh, you know, from a biblical standpoint and how we can, you know, make the proper theology, you know, so that people can see that we need to be obedient to God's word and therefore have a sound theology when it comes to this, to this question. So, in various forms and in various expressions, the perpetual myth repeated in each chapter of the sexual revolution, as each new extreme becomes a norm in our culture, is this phrase. The kids will be fine. It all started with no-fault divorce. The first version of the kids will be fine went something like this. I quote here, Kids will be better off with happy parents that aren't that aren't married than with unhappy parents that stayed married. That stayed married. So, somebody here speaking says, Last week, my friend Katie Faust, Faust tweeted the following, The safest place statistically on record for children is in the home of their married biological mother and father. She was responding to a tweet thread from a gentleman who experienced horrific abuse following the divorce of his parents. This week, our What Will You Say question team addressed this question of whether a child is better off with parents who are unhappily married or happily divorced. That language itself needs to be unpacked since the statistics are striking. Below is an edited transcript of Katie Faust speaking on children of divorce on the recent What Would You Say? And it says here, In headlines about a celebrity divorce or in conversations with friends in struggling marriages, we often hear that it will be better for kids if their unhappy parents get, get a divorce. But is that really true? No. Here are three reasons why. Number one is that kids don't just get over divorce. We often talk about divorce like it's a cold. Bothersome, but the kids will get it. Bothersome, but the kids will get over it. Divorce affects children's bodies, minds, and hearts for a very long time. For many kids, divorce kicks off a lifetime of loss and transition. Instability is often a feature of a child's life after a divorce. One study found that nearly half of children with divorced parents had not seen their father in the past year. Number two, for kids, two homes are not better than one. According to one long-term study of children of parents who lived in two different homes, these children, on average, obtained less education, experienced more unemployment, were more likely to be divorced themselves, face a greater occurrence of negative life events, and engaged in riskier behavior than their peers raised in intact homes. Uh, let's see, researcher Elizabeth Marquardt 
discovered these kids were not just living in two different homes, nearly half developed two different personalities. Each home offered different versions of the truth, required keeping different secrets, and operated under two different sets of rules. And number three, if couples persevere, unhappy marriages often become happy marriages. In the past, marriage was considered a permanent union unless one party was deemed at fault because of something like adultery, abuse, or abandonment. Since the passage of no-fault divorce laws, sorry, since the passage of no-fault divorce laws, spouses can divorce for any reason or no reason at all. Now, the majority of divorces take place because parents are unhappy or have fallen out of love. These are often called irreconcilable differences. One study found that a third of unhappy couples with new babies divorced, but of the two-thirds who persisted, 93% reported happy marriages. A 2002 report found that two-thirds of unhappily married adults who choose to stick it out reported happier marriages five years later. What's more, unhappy couples can divorce were no happier on average than those who stayed together. Harry Benson, research director of the Marriage Foundation, noted that contrary to popular belief, staying in an unhappy marriage could be the best thing you ever do. In cases of abuse, safety must be a priority, and in cases of adultery, the marriage may be irreconcilable. But even if leaving an unsafe situation is the right thing to do, Divorce still inflicts a heavy mental, emotional, and physical toll on children. There are scenarios in which the harm that divorce inflicts on children is justified, but adult happiness is not one of them. Uh, let's see. Oh, here, let me read this last part. Our most recent What Would You Say question video featuring Katie Faust is entitled Happily Divorced versus Unhappily Married, which is better for kids. And then it tells you a link. Of the YouTube, it says, please note if you search. Okay, that's just additional information in regards to the video. So, with all that there, brother, this is, I believe, believers that gave the three points as far as what's better. Uh, I'm going to ask you a tough question. Which one's better for the kids? The question is in my mind is this. Let's say that the conclusion of the article was the reverse of what it was. Okay. That the conclusion of the article was that divorce, happily divorced parents is better for the kids. Would that in itself, in and of itself, uh-huh. justify the divorce? Hmm. In other words, is that the right question to be asking? Yeah, that makes, yeah. That's, 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 that's got to get your... Your gear's going, right? Right. I, it, I, which is which is more important to answer? Is that being obedient to God, or the question, which one is better for the kids? Hmm. Which of those two questions is the one we should be asking? Obviously, for Christians, are we obedient to God? And would it matter, at that point, how the kids perceive it? Would it matter, at that point, how the kids perceive as far, it? As far as, as, far as the, the commands of Scripture. 
Oh, yeah. Is, is God going to go, oh, well, the kids don't like it. Maybe I should just change. Yeah, no, change what of course it is says. important. Right. Because we're going to either set the example right. of obedience to God. Right. Or we're going to be disobedient to God and therefore showing that example of being disobedient to God. Right. And and the article got wonderful article, by the way. Yeah, no, I was surprised how, how good the response was. To Right. And the article got it right. Couples that stay together and really work at working it out are mostly successful. Yeah. Uh, the plumber that fixed my toilet today. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to be totally amazed at, at this whole divine uh, appointment because uh-huh. he told me his testimony was that when he came to Christ, he was rejected by his wife. Wow. And he came home and he served her. He did the dishes. He loved on her. He slept on the couch for a year because she completely snubbed him. He'd come home, she'd be on the phone doing her little whatever they do on phones, play games or whatever yeah. it is. And which is kind of like I'm going, yeah, and just ignore him. She did not like his newfound faith. Mm. It took a year, but God converted her. And God converted the kids. And now they are a family worshiping together in church. The kids did not like what was going on in the unhappy marriage. That does not excuse the divorce. Mm -hmm. He stuck it out. He did what God told him to do as a husband. He served his wife and his kids. And the scripture does say that. Yeah. We're the great, yeah, we're the big head of the family, right? You know what that means? We're the biggest servant. Yeah. We're the one that's supposed to sacrifice the most for them. That's what that means. He did that. He did it right. And now, a great blessing blessing came to his family because of that. He was obedient to God, and God blessed his obedience. Mm-hmm. And the kids were unhappy. Yeah, the kids were unhappy. Who cares? So what? Let the kids be unhappy. It'll all pan out when God does his work. Now the kids are happy. Mm-hmm. Now the kids are are blessed greatly by the end result. Yeah. I noticed at one point they were using statistics to justify their argument. And I wrote the note, statistics versus God. Mm. Are statistics going to be our means of determining if something is wise or not wise? Is that going to be our method of discernment now? Mm. Running statistics, public opinion, popular opinion, psychological mm-hmm. outcomes of uh, psychological, um, I don't want to say experiments, but psychological yeah. uh, studies. Studies, and, right. Yeah. Um, are those going to be our how we determine 
if it's a good or bad idea. You bring idea, up no? a, a great point. I'm going to stop you there for a little, for a little second here. Because exactly what you are asking is the exact mindset of some churches, some believers. It's the whole, well, God wouldn't want you unhappy. Right? God has wants you to be happy and enjoy your life. Right? That type of... So, and the reason why I bring that up, and I say that, brother, is because... Choked me up, bro. And I see. See? Choking up, bro. <laughs> um... I was going to say, the reason why I bring it up, because it's, I've seen it, I've heard it from people, and I'm talking proclaimed Christians, people proclaiming to be Christian. And that's obviously a reflection, A, of what they're being taught at their home church, or whatever part group they're at, they're of, B... Or they're in rebellion. In rebellion, or, and I was going to say, B, a misunderstanding of scripture. Right. Or they're, see, not, or they're not being taught that, but they're just rebelling against what's being exactly. taught. Exactly. And see, I was going to say, you know, complete rebellion. Right. You know, well, I'm not right. going to be obedient to God, not being a disobedient, you know. Okay, so I was stuck on C. Okay. <laughs> you know, so. Well, my last name starts with a C, so that's probably <laughs> There you why. go. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's a very good point. Exactly. And, and uh, the top priority of God in our lives is not that we be happy. Wait, wait, say that again? The top priority of God's work in our life or purpose in our lives is not that we be happy. We're going to make a lot of people unhappy right now with that statement. You know that. Pick up scripture and read it for a while. It'll make you unhappy. It'll t- yeah, it'll tell you exactly <laughs> what you are. It, it'll convict you of your sin. It'll convict you of mm-hmm. your disobedience to Christ. It'll, it'll, it'll put you back on. It, it'll point you back to the right path. Yeah. And you might, you're probably not going to want that path if you're right. in rebellion. Yeah. If 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 your if your whole mindset, your whole focus is God wants me to be happy. then uh, maybe you start to go back and rethink your conversion because um, that's completely the wrong focus. That's a very selfish, that, that's, a, that's much of a self-focus. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost, it's almost kin, akin to the self-esteem movement, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I have to have a good self-esteem. No, no, no. You have a, you have, you're supposed to have an esteem in God, not a, an esteem Amen. in yourself. Amen. Or, brother, I got another one for you. <coughs> They'll say, well, I've done my good deeds. I've done fruit of the Spirit work. Therefore, I deserve, you know, to be happy. <laughs> I'm going to go back to, uh, yeah, we don't, what do we deserve, brother? Hey, we deserve a kick in the behind and thrown into uh, into uh, the lake of fire. That's, That's right. what we deserve. That's exactly right. We, what do you mean? You deserve to be happy. Yeah. 
You think those martyrs were happy about being martyrs? Amen. Now, happy is not the same as joy. Absolutely. Happy is I'm in a good mood all the time. Right. It's emotion-based. I wrote, even wrote that down here. Uh, relationships that are emotion-based. Is our relationship with God emotion-based? Only emotion-based? It's a very, very weak relationship that's going to fall apart if that's all you have. Yeah. Going back to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, actually I'll go to the larger catechism of 1648. What is the chief and highest end of man? Mm. Man's chief and highest end is to glorify God, number one. Mm-hmm. Not, God wants to make me happy. Like like a spoiled brat child, okay? Yep. Stop being spoiled brat children and start grow up. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to read you something in a moment. Uh, man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and fully to enjoy him forever. Mm-hmm. Right there. Now, how do we enjoy God forever? By... Spirituality, mm-hmm. by had that spiritual connection we have with God, which means that we're going to be obedient to God. Amen. Which means our desire isn't going to be that God make me happy and spoil me like a spoiled, rotten child. Our desire would be to glorify God, and that's what makes us happy. When we can glorify God, we are happy as believers. Mm, Joyful, in other words. That joy that passes all understanding comes from our work and our desire to glorify God. Not from, I'm a spoiled, rotten brat, and I just want God to make me happy. (laughs) No, you're not going to be happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Now remember Job? Oh yeah. I'm going to I'm going to look for it and I'm going to find it. Okay. And I'm going to read it and it's going to make people unhappy. <laughs> but I'm going to read it. So as you as you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other point I was going to make, <clears throat> you know, the secular worldview on the unbeliever, the unbeliever's worldview and is exactly what my brother was saying. They want the psychological answers to this. They want the statistical uh, evidence for this. Uh, they want to the uh, you know uh, the approach of it. You know, in uh, what do they call those waveforms, because they want to see quote unquote that evidence. You know, when it comes to the unhappiness in a marriage, or you know, it's better to be divorced or not. Uh, and obviously, we have the Christian worldview. Which deems us, especially for men, and I say it's a it's a bigger burden for men in a marriage because we are the head of the households. Which my brother said it, we are the bigger servants, and the responsibility falls on us. The Bible says that our wives are sanctified through us. Mm-hmm. That's huge, brother. That's huge because. Right. It takes a lot. I mean, it, and folks, let me tell you something. This is, talk about God leading something. A lot of times my brother and I approach our podcast, we go on the fly, and we might have articles or subjects we want to talk about, 
But we don't ever really talk about stories until we get here, right? Right. I had no idea that you had had that conversation with this brother that came and fixed your toilet that he had shared your testimony. You learned that two minutes before the podcast. Exactly. And I brought up this question because I saw the article, I read it, and I thought this is going to be great material for our podcast. God arranged this. God arranged it, brother. That's why we pray before the podcast now. That's the very reason why. Yeah. Amazing we, stuff, we, bro. We cannot. We could spend five hours working on the materials for this podcast and not do better than what God does when He puts it together. Amen. Amen. We we could not do this. Yeah. Now remember, Job, the story of Job, right? Mm-hmm. He loses everything. Oh yeah. You know, this is a you know, Satan goes before God and starts bragging, and God says, "If you consider my servant Job," and Satan gets upset and mm-hmm. jealous and says, I, I, "You let me, you know, persecute. Let me at him. Let me at him. Let me persecute Job, <laughs> and he'll deny you." And God says, "Go ahead, but you can't kill him." Yeah. And so Satan goes. He throws everything he has at him, and Job says though he slay me i will worship, worship him right you. Mm-hmm. and he says naked came out of my mother's womb naked at, um, shall i return yep. blessed be the name of the lord Amen. right so job did not not deny god mm-hmm. but job did begin to question some things on god when mm-hmm. his three friends started attacking job when mm-hmm. they showed up job what'd you do what they do it in really fancy language, but they're basically saying, "Job, did you do this? Job, did you do that? Job, yeah. did you did you what did you do to make God mad at you, Job? What what sin did you commit that you need to confess? Come mm-hmm. on, Job, we need to confess this sin. You you need to confess it, Job. Yeah, yeah. Job's like, I didn't do anything wrong, <laughs> and so they're having this whole conversation through the through the thing. And Job's like, he's lamenting. He's like, oh, that God would just kill me and send me to heaven. Just kill me and get it over with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, then he, and then he began, there's some spots where he began to say, why would God do this? You know, mm-hmm. God, you know, God just, he just slays the righteous and, and blesses the unrighteous. He said that at one point. <laughs> right. He's starting to get, of course, he's under great pressure. He's physically feeling like crap mm-hmm. right yeah he just lost everything i mean he's in bad shape he's in bad condition right so we kind of would sympathize with job yeah i kind of i'd be kind of fussy myself i'd get kind of down in the mouth and and a little bit um fussy myself right i mean we 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 all have that hit that point oh yeah where we become little babies and start whining right Yep. <laughs> but Job, it took a lot for him to hit that point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, here's God's response to Job. For those of you who think God's purpose is to make you happy. Oh, brother. Uh, then, <laughs> then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. This is Job 38. He answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Mm. This next line is awesome. Gird up now thy loins like a man. For I will demand of you and answer thou me. Gird up thy Job loins. is suffering. Probably yeah. more than any of us will ever suffer in our lifetime. 
I mean, he's really going through it. Yeah. And God, God comes to Job and he says, Quit your whimpering. Stand up like a man and answer these questions. I have some questions for you, Job. Get your stand up like a man. Quit your whimpering, and I want to hear your answer to these questions. Translation in English: Suck it up. Yeah. <laughs> and he's looking at Job, and he's telling Job questions like this: Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Man, declare if you understand. Where were you? I'm not sorry. Who who laid the measures thereof? If you understand, if you know of the universe, laid the measure of the universe, or who stretched the line upon it? I mean, he goes on like this. Over when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea with doors? I mean, he just he goes on right. And Job's standing there. And <laughs> Job finally answers God and he says, I have nothing to say. I'm going to put my hand over my mouth and shut up. I cannot answer you, Lord. And then God says, okay, very well. And then Continues with more questions for Job. <laughs> Piles it on some more. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> then he turns. Then God turns around and rebukes Job's three friends. Uh-huh. Right. And says, "You three didn't get it right either. So don't you puff your chest up like you're all righteous." <laughs> And in the end, God blessed Job and gave him three times what he had, or twice more yeah, what he had before. What he had, that's right. Job answered the Lord in verse in chapter forty-two, and he said, "I know that you can do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from you. Who is he that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understand not." Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech you, and I will speak. I will demand of you and declare you unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. and by, But now mine eye has seen you. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Wow. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Tenemite, Timonite, excuse me, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job has. Hmm. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job will, will pray for you. For he, for him will I accept lest I deal with you after your folly in that you have not spoken of me the thing which is right like my servant Job. Think God was there to make them happy. <laughs> Spoiled them like right, spoiled right and no. Yeah, 
tells Job, stand up like a man and answer me some questions. Think that made Job happy? <laughs> tells Eliphaz and his two friends, uh, what you told Job, mm-hmm. that was that was really dumb. Uh, that was unwise. That was stupid. You better go apologize to Job and do. Uh, by the way, do some sacrifices and, and repent and, and, yeah. and yeah. from your sins and you know in ashes, right? Right. So Eliphaz, Faz, and Timonite, and Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite went. And I don't know where they get these names. And did according as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord also accepted Job. Wow. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then did God desire to bless Job? Yes. That's right. But God is not here to do our bidding. That's the problem with the whole, well, God's here to make me happy concept. No. He's God. You're not. He's sovereign. You're not. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's immutable. He's transcendent. He's holy. He's righteous. He's all these things. He's love. He's also hate. He hates evil. And you're not. And you think that you can address God so flippantly that, oh, God's just here to make me happy? Oh, you are inviting a spanking, my boy. You're inviting a spanking, girl, if you're thinking that way. God will whoop your rear. Straighten that attitude out, because that's an attitude when they say stuff like that. That's an attitude needs to be straightened out. Yep. God's not here to make you happy. He's God. Amen. Now, he might make you happy, but that's up to him, not up to you. Amen. Amen. And he might, he might make you unhappy like he did Job. You think Jeremiah was happy when he got lowered into that miry pit? <laughs> and God says, that's your job, Jeremiah. Go down, that, go down in that miry pit and you do, you, you stay faithful to me in that miry pit. God rescued him out of that miry pit, took him on into oh, yeah. Babylon and, and blessed mm-hmm. him. How but, about Daniel? Do you think Daniel was happy when he was put in the lion's den? Yeah, was Daniel happy when he, yeah, exactly. You think the... Christians that were martyred by Nero on on yeah. torched on sticks out uh, on the road to Rome. God was there to make them happy. Great blessings were awaiting them, and He took them through that fire. But no, He wasn't there to spoil them like a spoiled child. Yep. If you're a believer, if God has already greatly blessed you if you're a believer. He's blessed you for eternity. And you're going to whine if God doesn't make you happy? It's like, 
We the divorces occur mm-hmm. in Christian families. Oh yeah. Well, we know why it happens in unbelieving families, but in Christian families, because we have the wrong mentality. Mm-hmm. We think the purpose of marriage is to make us happy. That's not what the purpose of marriage is. That's right. The purpose of marriage is to glorify God. Amen. The purpose of marriage is to be a representation on earth of the Trinity of God. Mm. The husband, the wife, the children. That's three in one. The two become one and produce another. Father, Holy Spirit, the woman is said to be the Holy Spirit of the home, and the child, there's the son. Hmm. Marriage is designed to represent the Holy Trinity of God and to represent the glory of God Hmm. and to be a glory to God. Now, we're not always going to be happy in marriage. That's right. Because we are fallen creatures. Mm-hmm. And we still have this flesh that we're dealing with, this body of sin that we're dealing with. Romans chapter 7. Paul waxed very eloquent on that point in Romans chapter 7. Yeah. But that does not give us an excuse to go pouting off like a child to some lawyer and file for a divorce. Children who are believers get divorces. Oh, you might be an adult physically, but you're a child mentally. You've never grown up. It's time to grow up. Mm -hmm. Gird up your loins and be a man. Right. And you serve your family, even if they reject you, even if they don't like you, even if your wife makes you miserable. You serve her like Christ served the church. And how did he serve us? He died on the cross. You think that made him happy? You think that was, you, you think the physical and the physical suffering he went through, that that was, and, and then the reject, you know, my, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Mm-hmm. Father turns his, Back, the Holy Spirit turns his face away from Christ because he's at that moment bearing our sins, and God could not look upon that sin. If that was good enough for Christ, then maybe we should change our mentality and our attitude and understand that whatever we go through in this life, that is designed. To glorify Christ. And should we not desire to serve Christ in that way? After what he did for us? Mm. Let's grow up. Let's mature. Let's become mental adults. Let's gird up our loins the way God told Job to do. And yes, it's okay to acknowledge this hurts, I'm suffering, this is hard, and I do need counsel, I need help to get through this. That's fine. 
to acknowledge the hurt, that's fine. To go through the steps of healing from it, that's fine. But don't be a whiny baby. Walk with Christ as an adult. Did you grow up? Graduate high school? Take a job? Go to college? Join the military? Then act like an adult. We be, divorces occur in Christian families because we are selfish. Because we serve self more than we serve Christ. When we serve Christ more than we serve self, the family is saved. Amen. Because we serve that. Now I'll put I'll put a put an exception to that. When there's physical abuse occurring, that is time to separate. Because physical abuse in a marriage will eventually end in a homicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is not biblically, is not biblical, is not right to stay in a relationship where that physical abuse is occurring. Yeah. Because the abuser will kill the abused. Sure. And possibly the children along mm-hmm. with, with her. And there's statistics about that, too. Right, right. <laughs> you know, talk about, you know, secular I, statistics. Yeah. I know those statistics, and I know the reality of it very yeah. well as being in law enforcement mm-hmm. for all those years. I've, I've seen that over the years, had to deal with it personally as the officer responding to it, doing uh-huh. the reports, trying to take care of the, the person being abused, trying to deal with the abuser. It, it is a mess when that, I mean, that is a mess in a family. So we do not advocate anything that would end in a homicide. We advocate protecting the life of that other person. Now, does that mean they stay apart forever? Well, if they both rede- become redeemed and, and both turn their life life around, or the one who's abusing turns his life around or her mm-hmm. life around, that's different. Now we can begin to reconcile. But without the redemption, without the repentance, without the... the and I'm not talking about this fake repentance that occurs in the cycle of domestic violence. There's a cycle of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. There's a honeymoon period. Right. And that occurs right after the repentance period. So you have a repentance, a honeymoon period, that lasts for a little while, and then there's the abuse that starts up again, and then there's the strain on the marriage, and it's part, part, you know, maybe temporary separation, emotional confusion. Maybe even the cops are called, but then the victim starts to regret calling the cops and is really confused emotionally. And once the abuser back, so the abuser comes back, mm-hmm. and the abuser comes back with the repentance and the uh, all of the accolades and the sweetness. I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. And then honeymoon period, and then right back to the abuse again. That's right. the cycle. And it occurs over and over and over and over again. It's manipulation. It's sort of the mental manipulation there. That is not true repentance. That is manipulation. Yeah. True repentance is a true change. Amen. A true change in the heart. 
True redemption is a true transformation in the soul. And that person truly seeks to do what is right after that. They mm-hmm. don't abuse anymore. Yeah. True repentance is it never happens again. Right. Now, in, you know, especially in, in a couple that is, you know, becoming mature in Christ and they're, you know, getting things better. They're starting to like each other more. Now, right before you get to that point, because a lot of the times, you know, the kids, especially when you have kids, they see, they feel like there's something wrong. Right. They, they're very perceptive. Very perceptive. Exactly. So my question is, how much do you involve the kids when these things are happening? Does the father need to reflect his obedience to Christ in a way that he tells his children, explaining the situation a little bit, not in detail, but at least covering uh, enough to teach them the responsibility that he has, the obedience he needs to have in order to serve his family and things like that, or right. keep him on the you know down low where you don't really know much about it. It's a dull conversation. You know what I mean? There's that approach to what do you think of that, brother? I think it's naive to think that they don't already know what's going on. Bingo. <laughs> they know exactly what's going on. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you start to explain to them, they're going to go, I already know. Yeah. yeah. You know, why are you explaining to me? I already know. I see it. I watch while, <laughs> I watch while you hit mom. Right. I right. know exactly what's going right. on, dad. Yeah. And they're resentful of dad. Yeah. Right, so yeah, that's just naive. That's just naive. That's just that's a, amazing you know. when you bring that up. Yeah, I tell you a little bit of what transpired yesterday. So, long story short, we making a decision where we're going to go eat, and right before we go home, because my wife was hosting the Bible study for the women, so we needed to run across, you know, fast food real quick. So, we had suggested In and Out. My son and I, you know, and your brother, we love In and Out. My wife was like, I'm mm, not really done not feeling that. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, then pick. You know, women sometimes are not really sure what they want. So, you know, it, it got to the point where I was like, okay, just pick one. Or you want me to just stop here, Carl's Jr. Landon suggested Mickey D's, McDonald's, right? So we go to McDonald's. In between the conversation we were having, we were talking about, oh, there's a meal deal. We're going to get this. We're going to get that. I grumbled a little bit. But because I already, my, my mind was set on in and out, right? And then I made the conversation. And in between the conversation, I said, well, maybe I'll take a chicken nugget from Landon's because I would like to take a chicken nugget. Landon went from happy to his head went down, looked down, and and, and just seemed upset. And we were like, what's wrong, Landon? Nothing's wrong. And when you get that serious, nothing's wrong, there is something wrong. Mm -hmm. So that conversation went from what's wrong to... You guys are fighting. We're like, we're not fighting. We're just discussing where we want to go. Sometimes I have mama has a hard time making a decision. I make suggestions just to see which one she kind of she kind of wants to, but it doesn't mean we're fighting. We're discussing. And then he goes, "Well, you make that sound." I'm like, "What sound? You know that sound and it makes you sound like the Hulk, and you're really upset, and you know it makes me upset now." And I so talk about perception because I grumble. He thought that I was extremely upset and I kind of went on a defense like no I didn't really do that you know I'm trying to explain and my wife goes well you kind of do do that noise where we all think you're mad so I had to do some reflection brother but Mm -hmm. a my son 
perception right away. I grumbled. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he thought he's mad. He's upset. Mm-hmm. And then he got upset because it affected him. Mm-hmm. And now he wasn't responding accordingly, right? Right. So that's where I had to make this. Do I humble myself and accept the fact, yeah, I grumble and it makes me look like a meanie or like the Hulk. It makes mm-hmm. me sound like the Hulk. Right. Or do I, because the first thing we do, we want to make a defense, right? No, I don't do that. Right. So got home. I hugged him. I told him, you know what, son? I love you very much. I am sorry that I make you feel that I was upset. I wasn't trying to make you upset, but I'm sorry that I do make that noise or I grumble and it makes me look mean or ugly. It's mm-hmm. not my, please forgive me. So I had to humble myself, brother. Right. Because he perceived that right away as right. every other time that I've made that grumbly noise, therefore, in the time where I grumble and I was actually upset. Right. So it's interesting that you're making that analogy about the kids really being perceptive when we think they're not to a simple little drive-through incident that happened my son perceived it and it's uh-huh. like calling me out on it you know the first thing i wanted to just make a defense of why i was doing it when right. it was like wait a minute i have to step back come on myself which is hard by the way right because right. we're selfish as soon as we become defensive we're wrong yeah yeah. Because we're not perceiving something about ourselves. Yes, yes. Or we are perceiving it, and we don't like the facts being pointed out. <laughs> that is huge. Yeah. <laughs> so can you imagine so, every single day in a marriage that we have to deal with these things? Yes. Every day we've got... Every day we're under attack. Uh-huh. Every day we're under attack in our marriage. Marriage is under attack more than uh, probably any time in our history. Yeah. But God is also coming through with ways to um, to strengthen marriage Amen. more than any time in our history. Marriage right. seminars, the churches are getting better with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're, we've gotten pretty good with it uh, and healing it and trying to guide mm-hmm. people. But, you know, we're, we're dumb sheep and we do dumb things, yeah. right? Right. And uh, but not only that, we, we have there's spiritual attacks on marriage, principalities and powers, right? That we're fighting against the uh, thing, uh, spirits in unseen places, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're it's not physical; it's spiritual battle, and uh, so we have a spiritual battle in marriage every day. We have the the marriages that are based only on emotions, mm-hmm. and marriages that are based only on emotions won't last. Yeah, they'll fall apart within right. within a few years. Sure, they're gonna fall apart because emotions will only carry you so far. Yeah, amen. That's right. It better be based on more than emotion. Mm-hmm. Love is well. They fell out of love. Why? Why did they choose to fall out of love? Well, they didn't choose to fall out of love. It just it just wasn't. You know, the feeling wasn't there anymore. I ask again, why did you choose to fall out of love? A love is a choice. It's not an emotion. Emotions can be stirred up by love, but love is a choice. You either choose to love someone or you don't. Mm-hmm. Well, how do I choose to love someone? Serve them. You'll Amen. learn how to love them. Amen. But that doesn't make me happy. Aww. Poor baby. Gird up your loins. <laughs> Gird up your loins. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Stop, stop trying to think about your happiness. Yep. You start thinking about other people, 
you start thinking about God, you'll be happy. Mm. You'll be joyful. Amen. And it won't matter what the circumstances are. Right. See, when they say, well, God's here to make me happy, I know they don't say it that way, but that's really what they're saying. Mm-hmm. What they're saying is, God's here to arrange the circumstances so that I don't have hardship and I can be happy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, no, sorry, that's not reality. Circumstances are designed to make us better, Amen. not make us happy. And being better doesn't always mean that you're happy. Mm-hmm. You think the Navy SEALs basic underwater demolition school is a happy place to be? Do you think they're happy when they're in that freezing water all night with arms locked trying to learn how to be seals? You think they're happy when they're running with those logs and those pontoon boats over their heads? You think any anyone's happy in boot camp when they're getting yelled at and having to do push-ups and you know getting punished for they're like, I didn't stand right on attention, so they're yelling at me. I didn't get an answer right, so they're yelling at me and abusing me verbally. Uh, that's not abuse. That's training. <laughs> and uh, no, you're not happy. But you know what? It makes you better. It makes you a better person. That trainee that steps, stepped in the car with me when I said make a right turn make a left turn make another left make another right mm-hmm. make another right make another left go two blocks stop the car we're being shot at I'm, I'm hit I'm shot I'm shot I'm, I'm, I'm hit where are we where are we come on where are we where are we you gotta put it on the radio where are we what's our location and the poor trainee is totally panicking because he doesn't know our location because he got locked into me giving directions and telling him where to go and what to do or she and then I look at the trainee and I go get out of the car run back to the corner look at the street sign and you come back here and tell me what our location is you think that made those trainees happy <laughs> You think they were under a lot of stress? Yep. They were because they were getting evaluated every single day. Yeah. And that was going to determine if they were going to keep their job or not. Mm. That's huge. They were under stress. Yeah. And but you think it made them a better cop? You think they knew their location after that? Do you think when they were out on their own after they got through training? And something like that really did happen because it happens to every cop at some point. Right. And they knew their location and they were able to put it out and they were able to get the help at the correct spot where they could get back up to help them to handle the situation. You think they were happy then (laughs) that they went through that training and learned that? Yes. Right. It's not about being happy. It's about being better. Amen. And keep those children in the loop. Explain to them. Because the husband and the wife, they're a representation of God's design. Right? Right. So it's either A, you're going to be obedient. Right? Right. And reflect the glory of God 
in the marriage and right. the kids will see it and know what that representation is and you can explain it from scripture or you're going to be disobedient therefore their life is going to be a mess brother right right because right. they're going to then do what we did or worse things because why eh, my parents they divorced they didn't care right my parents you know they were right. selfish because they wanted to be happy right they wanted what they wanted they didn't think about me right Yeah. Which, that's not selfish of the kid because the parents are supposed to be thinking about those kids. Mm-hmm. They are supposed to, you don't, well, I'm not, we're not advocating ignoring the kids. We're, we, do, we do want to, to be good parents to those kids. And good, being good parents to those kids means we have to tr- teach them about life. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and you don't, you can hide life circumstances and situations from them for a while. Yeah. But when they start to get into those teenage years, mm. you've got to open up and start using those circumstances and situations to teach them. Yes. Because you're not going to be able to hide it from them. That's yes, true. The reality of the world is going to start to hit them at that age. That's yeah. a very difficult and awkward age. Yeah. You've got to be straightforward and honest with them yeah. and explain things in a straightforward and honest way at that point. Because yeah. even when you think they're not paying attention, they are. Man, they are. <laughs> and if they don't get it from you, they're going to get it from their friends. That's right. That's and if right. they get it from their friends, they're going to get it wrong. It's better that they get it from you. Good stuff, my brother. Praise the Lord. I knew this was going to be important that we needed to address it. Be encouraged, folks. Be encouraged. You know, look to the Word of God. Hey, go to your elders, pastor, uh, the the wiser, uh, uh, older Christians, or the wise, you know, the ones that have wisdom. Go. And men, man, let's take that veil of pride uh, you know rip it apart and, and go there's no shame in accepting that we need help yeah we need yeah. direction we need guidance right you know brother as man nobody likes being told what to do or how to do it or how to face it right we, we gotta, take our pride we're like yeah, what we, we wear our pride on our sleeve and our breast right like but, a Robin Centurion walking yeah, around with exactly. our breastplate full of pride, right? Mm, like nothing, yeah. nothing can take me down. Nah. But man, there's nothing better than a humble heart. No matter how big and bad you think you are, there's always somebody bigger and badder. Yep. Yep. Good stuff, my brother. Thank you. Appreciate your words. Uh, I know people are going to be blessed by this. And uh, what do you got for us? I know you had a. Uh, like an article well, yeah, or this something was, this you wanted to... Yeah, yeah a video, is, right? You had a little video that... Yeah, uh, this is on a different subject, so we're going to switch We're going to switch subjects, definitely. So this is on uh, the Chinese Communist Party. Ooh, and, the CCP. Uh, this is a very interesting analysis that I, I... I hinted at that I thought that maybe the CCP was starting to come unraveled. I think I've said that in the past. That yeah. I, that, that was my... Just yeah, my you personal, mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My personal thoughts was that they were starting to come unraveled. Well, 
now I'm not the only one saying it. Uh-oh. So this is um, the National Security Correspondent in Washington Times, Bill Gertz, and he appeared on the Steve Bannon's uh, War Room show yeah. on yeah. Tuesday, this morning, actually. Oh, it's today. Okay. And uh, so here's here's what they had to say. So let's see right. what the... All right. We have not heard this video yet. No, we have not. So we're, you're going to get this reaction raw from us, folks. I'm going to start with Gertz. There was a big story in the Express, which is, I think, one of the best newspapers in the U.K. about following things that are populist and, and nationalist. And we, uh, it was about from Sky News in Australia about the grip that she may not have the grip on the country that people think he does. And, in fact, the economy is actually in much worse shape. Uh, the mili- he's had a number of purges. The military is very angry. And one of the things he's doing is rattling the saber about Taiwan. You're the number one guy. You and Josh Rogan are, are the two best guys in, in, in D.C., the best source. And you've been doing this since Josh was in short pants. So we wanted to reach out to you. What's going on in, in Beijing? Is, is, do you believe the Express story is, is she uh, in, in much worse shape than we think? And why are Western countries not coming together and uniting and trying to, they could topple this by just holding them accountable for what they did in the Wuhan lab and how they've destroyed all the economies. And ladies and gentlemen, later, if you don't think of destroying a $3.5 trillion human capital infrastructure of bills coming up, which you're going to try to jam amnesty into, we've got the folks from Numbers USA who are going to come on and talk about that. So Bill Gertz, Beijing, the regime, what's the status in your opinion? Uh, yeah, hi, Steve. Always good to be on the show. Uh, yeah, this was an, an analysis by Paul Monk. He's a China watcher. Uh, he's part of what we call the collapses theory of China hands. Uh, Gordon Chang's another. He wrote the book, uh, The Coming Collapse of China. Hasn't collapsed yet. Uh, however, I agree with him that there are definitely warning signs about the coming collapse of the Communist Party. And I think the pandemic and China's responsibility for it is definitely pushing in this direction. Um, First of all, uh, Monk said that the economy may not be that strong. He said that the Chinese military may not be strong. I, I, that strong. I agree with that too. Uh, the Chinese, you know, they follow Sun Tzu. When uh, when weak, uh, pretend you're strong. Uh, when strong, pretend you're weak. They're they're definitely trying to pretend that they're strong uh, economically and militarily, and they definitely have a lot of issues there with their military. Although they are building up in in a very aggressive way. Um, I would say that uh, I think that the official intelligence view is that she has maintained control. But I see this current period as analogous to the late 90s when the CIA was saying there's no problems with the Soviet Union, they're not going to collapse, and then lo and behold, in 91, the Soviet Union collapsed. We could be in that Mm -hmm. situation now. You mean the late 80s, when they thought it was strong and yet it collapsed, and the world came down in in Tiananmen Square. Yeah, and we remember when that happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, and nobody thought that would ever happen with the Soviet Union because they did appear very, very strong. Mm-hmm. But internally, it begins. The, the communist system begins to rot from the inside out. Yeah. It, internally, it begins to fall apart. We're starting to see that with Cuba. Did you see that? The, Cuba the, is an uprising right now, brother, of... Yeah. Um, of uh, you know the people are starting to come out in droves and protesting against the communist uh, uh, regime. You know their government, which is mm-hmm. communist. I mean history being communist. Mm-hmm. The most 
I think, you know, and, and everybody sees it because, and everybody hears about it. Why? Because we all have somebody that came from Cuba or their family member came mm-hmm. from Cuvia. Mm-hmm. And they tell you of the horrific stories. Right. Right? Right. Our president now, President Biden, if it was Trump, he would have addressed it the first day he saw, you know, what was taking place. Sure. He would have said, he would have condemned well, he's it. Already, he's already come out and said And he would already come out and said it. Samantha, yeah. yes, thank yeah. you. Thank you. He did you know, say He's that. not even the president. And he came out and said it. He said he supports, so, supports exactly. the people who are marching in the streets. Yeah. Right. So, there. He would have done that. Yeah. Biden, he took quite a few days before he finally came out. Or his press secretary came out and said something. But, in what she said, she didn't even condemn. Really. She just said, we don't really agree with the way the government runs the system. Instead of straight up, no, they're wrong, it's wrong, the people have a right to be protesting and we will support them, no. They're just, you know, they have a right to protest and they just don't like the way the system is going. (laughs) Very lightly, you know, very weakly, very like... Come on, where is the patriotism of a president who stands with a free country like ours and goes, no, this is wrong, right? Right. Cuba, perfect example. Yeah. But, again, what they were saying here, I mean, yeah, it looks like they're prospering, you know, there's prosperity going on with the CCP. Right. But in reality, are we going to see another uh, Soviet Union, brother? What do you think? Um, I mean, you nailed it because you've been talking about this a while. You've done videos about this. <laughs> I have. I've talked about the CCP collapsing. Uh, I believe that it would collapse. I believe that the country would, that Christianity would begin to grow like wildfire. And mm-hmm. it, it has been. Yes. There's, but there's so many people in China. It's still a, a, a fraction. Right. There's millions of Christians in China, but there's what billions of people yeah. in China. So I mean yeah. it's a but I believe that it will it will grow like wildfire. Amen. And uh that it will dominate. That China will eventually be a Christian country. I do believe that. Now we haven't they didn't go to that degree in this video. Right. I mean they're talking about their economy and right. you know. But I do believe that China will eventually that even in their government there will be Christians of devout um worship right mm-hmm. i mean devoutly dedicated to christ mm-hmm. who will be in their government and uh making the right kinds of decisions and yeah. doing the right things and i believe i see that future for china um so i don't see the chinese people as our enemies right i see the the communist system as our enemy mm-hmm. but i see the communist system as the en- enemy of humankind mm-hmm it was horrific in the Soviet Union. It was horrific during the Mao Cultural Revolution. Oof, yeah, that one was it bad. Was, it was uh, it was horrific in the killing fields of Cambodia after, after Vietnam War. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, we could go through all kinds of in Cuba, of course. They they horrific what they did in Cuba. We could go example after example, example mm-hmm. uh, Venezuela. Yeah, it's another country there. that yeah, yeah. yeah, socialism has. It, it's just it just rots from the yeah. inside out, and, and because it is an atheistic system. Mm-hmm. Now I know atheists say, "Well, communism's not atheism. Atheism's not communism." I understand, but they 
but they do deny the existence of God as a yeah. system. And uh, they promote uh, atheism, basically. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, mean I, don't, I'm, I don't know how they get around that. It's like you're doing things in your system without God being part of the system. Therefore, you're pretty much saying, we don't believe in God, so therefore we're not even going to. So yeah, I see it as atheistic. Right, it's a very humanistic, very humanistic, secular humanist mm-hmm. type of system. And that's why it rots from the inside out. It, it's it's yeah. not capable of functioning long term. It always falls apart in the end. Mm-hmm. And so that's the reason why we bankrupted the Soviet Union. They tried to, we, we out, um, you know, the arms race that we had, we outraced yeah. them, right? right? Right. I mean, we were able to spend more money than they were able to spend. Mm-hmm. And they eventually went bankrupt on, uh, on trying to keep up, and that's what did it. So China's <laughs> in a similar situation. I see China... China's very smarter, so I think they're smarter than the Soviet Union when it comes to how they're doing things, because they do follow Sun Tzu, or Sun Tzu, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they right. do. They do have. They are pretty smart. They're pretty um, uh, sneaky in how they do things. Very subtle, mm-hmm. um, which I think is the reason why they have lasted longer than the Soviet Union in their yeah. communist system. But even that is not going to be enough to keep to continually prop it up. Yeah. It's going to eventually the house of cards is going to come tumbling down. Yeah, uh, there will be freedom in China, and, I, and we don't have to invade the country to get that. No, you know, like you I said, mean, I, I think it's yeah. going to fall apart at some point. And that sneaking his brother has to do with the fact that we have cyber. You know, the cyber, the internet. We have all these things that you can hide things for a little while, right? But eventually, and it's going to come out. It comes out, and and it's it's a. It's a different world. It certainly is. I oh, yeah. Mean, that's from the times, even from well, the How many 19th. years from when the Soviet, that took place, what, was it 60s, 70s? Well, the, 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 the cultural, well. Because there was a The Bolsheviks Revolution uh-huh. occurred in uh, the 30s. That's in the 30s, that's right. That's Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And, of course, the, by the time the 40s came along, World War Two. Right. Uh, they were already fully communist. Right. They were already in the Soviet Union. Collapsed. Uh, it, it actually collapsed during the Bush senior administration. Oh, okay. So I that think, was in the I think late around 1990, 90s, 1991 time yeah. frame. Now, the collapse w- occurred because of what happened in the 80s with mm-hmm. the Reagan administration. Reagan right. is the one really caused the collapse. It's just that the collapse didn't finally occur until... 1991, um, and so that's when the Berlin Wall came down, the, the East dividing from the West, and uh, Germany came became one country, mm-hmm. and then uh, the Soviet Union began to break up, and the, the other countries on the Eastern Bloc began to form. The old countries that were there before began mm-hmm. to reemerge, and uh, Russia changed its emphasis. Yep. And guess what became very, very important in Russia once again? The Russian Orthodox Church. Yeah. And churches in general began to become much more important in Russia. The hunger for God that those people had after those many years of communism, those many years of the suppression of religion, the persecution of religion, the hunger that they had for God was enormous. 
And so Russians went rushing, no pun intended, went rushing back into the church, right? Um, And, and of course, the news media wants to make Putin a bad guy. I don't believe Putin is a bad guy. I believe Putin is as dedicated to the Orthodox, Russian Orthodox Church as anyone else in the country. I think I don't think he's communist. I think he wants the Russia that it is today. Yeah. And I believe that he, he wants to protect his country, and I think that's why. Now, he could be ruthless in politics. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But I believe that he's been fighting for Russia. Yeah. Not, not not the communist. He hasn't been fighting for the communists. He's been fighting for his homeland, Russia, yeah. and what's best for them. And he has been fighting against wickedness in Russia. Mm-hmm. He's come out a number of times and condemned abortion, condemned sodomy. He's condemned a number of different things that he believes is wrong based upon Christian doctrine. Yeah, That's the Putin you don't hear about in the news no, media. No, of course not. It's absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that so, uh, Russia is not the bad guy. I'll tell you who the biggest problem is, and it's going to shock people when I say this. It's England. It's the United Kingdom. Yeah. It's the old guard in the United Kingdom. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 the fi- United Kingdom is a financial center. Everybody says, "Well, no, New York's a financial center." Now, London. London has been the financial center of the world. Mm. New York has been a big player, but it's been London. Yeah. And London has, if you think the uh, British Empire died, no, it never died. It just went into the banking system. Mm. (laughs) They ruled the world. They they ruled the world by the banks because mostly it was the London that was running the banks. No, it was the Swiss. You don't think they were under the London, uh, the, the UK's thumb? <laughs> yep. They were subsidiary of the London banks. Right. Right? How did America expand its empire? Mm. Military bases. Mm-hmm. Military bases all over the world. I've often wondered why country, countries allow us to come in and set up bases in their countries all over the world. And have autonomy in those bases as U.S. territory, right? Right. What other country has been successful in doing that without a, a draconian rulership? I've never heard of any other. So we, our, the American empire is through the military bases. Mm-hmm. We don't have to occupy the whole country. We just set a base up in there. Isn't that amazing? It's just yeah. And London doesn't have to occupy the country like they did in the old days when they were kicked out of India and other places. Right. They figured they finally figured out all we gotta do is own the banking system. Yep. We'll own everybody. And that's what they did. So there's London, there's Washington, right? There's the two corrupt systems. There's a third one, there's it's a three pronged system. The other one was the Vatican. Mm. Yeah. And the Vatican set up the religious system. And the Vatican was involved, and we're finding out now, was involved in all kinds of sinister and evil stuff, like human trafficking, like mm-hmm. pedophilia. We, but the pedophilia has been coming out over time. And so this whole system 
is dying the death of a thousand cuts. Mm. And what has the military done in the United States? The military has turned against Washington. The military is obedient. The military is loyal. I don't say obedient. They're loyal to Trump. They're not loyal to Biden. I was watching a, a former Navy SEAL, former CIA operative. Uh, his last name was Jaco. Jacko. Jacko. I can't remember his first name. But anyway, I was watching him on being interviewed on video. And he was saying this. He was saying that um, as far as the military goes, the, he he's watching, and as far as Secret Service and all that goes, he was watching... Trump, and he was watching Biden. And he said when Biden would go somewhere, the security detail that would go with him was looked very, very shoddy to him. Mm. And he knew security details because anytime, like when Brandon would come into a hot zone during the war, it was his job to set up the advanced, and the advanced security and the security for Brandon to make sure that he was... Take care right. of. So he knows what a security detail is supposed to look like. He knows what looks very professional mm-hmm. and, and very serious and very very well done and what looks really, really shoddy. He said Biden's detail looks very, very shoddy. Then he looks at Trump's detail and he said it's bigger, it's a bigger contingency than Biden's because the president's detail is supposed to be huge. Mm-hmm. When there's a when when he's in a convoy rolling to some place to go speak or visit another state or whatever it might be, he said the convoy is huge and very very professional. And he says Biden's convoy is shoddy. It's small and shoddy in comparison to what a president's convoy is supposed to look like. And then he said, he looks at Trump's convoys even today when he's supposedly out of office. And it's huge in comparison to Biden's. Right. And very, very, very professionally done. He said, said, I look at these guys with Trump and I'm going, these are high level, these people are high level operators. They are very professional. They're very, very well trained. They know what they're doing. And he said this, He goes, the other problem is I'm watching people around Trump and I'm seeing the nuclear suitcase going wherever Trump goes. He goes, I look at Biden, I don't see the nuclear suitcase anywhere. So who is the military loyal to? (laughs) That's because Biden will forget what it is. (laughs) Right. And and, and who's signing the presidential proclamations of of the retiring military members? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's Trump. strange. That it's is strange. Not like, yeah. And we're how far into this thing? I know. <laughs> yeah, I can understand if it was the Department of Interior or Department yeah, well, of Commerce. Yeah, they're known to be slow in making yeah, changes. Yeah, I don't understand. Right. Not 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 in the not in the military. Yeah. I right. mean, I used to be the guy that enforced the yeah. uniform color of military justice in the military. That would not stand. Yeah. There'd be people getting in a lot of trouble. Oh yeah. There was some screaming going on. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so the, things are not as they seem to be. So I think the message in all this, that maybe that, that we could give to our audience is you may 
think all this is nuts. You may not. That's not really the point. The point is, you don't have to be anxious Mm. about what's going on or what's going to happen in the future. Great point, my brother. Because God has it in control, and God can pull the wool over our eyes. Yep. If he if he so chooses to work his will, mm. and he can make things look really really bad when they're not as bad as they look. Uh, China looks very threatening, but are they really? Right. Would they are they capable of attacking Taiwan and succeeding? When, if that happens, every Asian Rim country out there is going to jump into the fight. Japan, Philippines, Vietnam, you go down the list. They're all going to jump into the fight. And the United States would be jumping into the fight. Because we, we're, we're going to, I guarantee you, we would try to protect Taiwan. Oh, yeah. I think so. And, uh, you know, we're not going to ignore it. Yeah. And so... Could China, do they really want to get that heavily into that kind of a war? Right. It's like... I doubt it. Yeah. yeah. It's one yeah. of those big old bark, but no bite. Right. That's kind of what you're seeing, I think. Just, you know. It's a deception. And only that, I mean, even the videos that they show of their military, like nowadays... You know you can edit a lot of these videos. You know you can spruce up these videos to make it seem like it's right. legit. When Some of the news is totally fake. It's completely made up for the purpose of pushing an agenda uh-huh. and, and to enact an emotional response. Uh-huh. And some of it's true. Some of it's uh-huh. real. Yep. The, the difficulty in the discernment is what is false and what is true. And so how, how do we make that discernment? You have to get to know the players and how they think and what what would they use for the purpose of pushing an agenda. Yeah. What kind of news would they put out or make up to push that particular agenda? And when you begin to figure that out, you start to have a little bit of discernment as to, okay, this doesn't sound right. This sounds like they're pushing an agenda and they just made this up. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there's half truths in this article, and some part of it, little part of it's true, but a lot of it's false, or it's yeah. just overly exaggerated, or whatever it might be. There's a lot of that going on, so oh, yeah. you can't depend on the mainstream media, and sometimes not even the alternative media to get it right. The alternative media tries to get it right, and sometimes gets it wrong. The mainstream media could care less because they're owned by the globalists. Mm-hmm. And the globalists are going to try to gaslight you. And there's a lot of gaslighting that goes on in the media. Mm-hmm. And right. so don't waste your time on it. Have a general understanding of what's going on. But you want to want, you want to know what's going on? Take care of your neighbor. Be an influence in your neighborhood. Be an influence in your community. Be the newsmaker, not the news watcher. You'll change the world. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff, my brother. Yep. A lot of encouragement, folks. A lot of encouragement. Remember, God's in control. He's in control. Do not when, be anxious. When, when Job thought everything was falling apart, that, that was it. He was just going to die. Gird up your loins. God came <laughs> along and 
set him, sent him back up on his feet, yep. Amen. and then blessed him greatly. Praise the Lord. Good stuff, brother. Man, this time went by fast, bro. How much time has it been? We're like, we're going to hit it an hour. We hit an hour and a half. That's awesome. We better call it a day. I know. <laughs> Good stuff, wow. my brother. Well, folks, hopefully you were blessed with the material today. Uh, thank you, brother, again, Rain, for uh, blessing us and uh, giving us a biblical answer to these uh, things. And, uh, yeah, other than that, if you have, if you have anything else to add, you know what to do. We'll add it next week. Give the folks a break. Yeah, <laughs> All right. That's enough to think about already. So remember, folks, remember, keep your mind sharp and heart pure. We'll see you next podcast. Catch you on the flip side. You have been listening to the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. We want to thank you for tuning in to listen to the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. It's a blessing to have you. We hope that you continue to enjoy the future episodes and to tune in and share away with others that might be interested. Uh, We wanted to thank our families for supporting us, especially our wives that uh, they uh, put up with us. They allow us to have time to study and spend time uh, in the Word of God. And uh, in return, they help us as well and they keep us accountable. It's a blessing to have them in our lives. So we want to especially thank them. I also want to thank uh, our church, uh, friends, and uh, the men's study that we have that we continue to be encouraged about. Uh, I want to thank all these people because they support us and pray for us, and uh, it's a blessing to have them in our life. Other than that, I hope you continue to enjoy the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. Uh, We will talk to you soon. More episodes to come your way. Other than that, I'm out. We're out. God bless you. 